Well, we had a special day here yesterday as Nancy McMullen and JC De- Jason Deering were married, so congratulations to them and also to Stephen and Rosalie on a special day. And exciting of a, a new chapter for, for Jason and Nancy. I wanted to give you a heads up on something as well. You know, we're, we're kind of working really hard on getting things ready for the fall, and it just occurred to me that about a month from now, we're going to be kicking off a, a challenge that we would encourage the whole church to be a part of, a Bible reading challenge. And we are going to be reading through the entirety of Scripture from the very beginning to the very end. And we're actually going to have a sermon series that's going to follow along with those readings. And so you will kind of read during the week and then we'll talk about it on Sunday. So I wanted to give you a heads up because it is a fair bit of reading. And I know we all probably don't read as much as we should and we're a little bit out of the habit. And we'll be posting a reading schedule for you. But if you want to get a head start, it might not be a bad idea. And uh, so, or finish up all your spy novels and get them done now so that you uh, can kind of devote yourself to this reading. And one of the most interesting things that I've just discovered in my own life, but it's actually been proven statistically, is that the regular reading of Scripture has incredible impact on your faith. And we would say, well, yeah, that probably doesn't surprise me a whole lot. And so I just think if we can have so many of our congregation uh, reading through the scriptures together, how God is going to be at work in our midst. A number of the life groups are going to be using this as their emphasis as they head into the fall. Prime time's using it as their emphasis. So I'm just really, really excited about it. So I would say, if you don't have a Bible, we're going to have some for you here. They're going to cost $3. Uh, they're going to be in a translation that's really easy to read and really captures and has some great flow to it. Um, so we'll try to do everything we can in our power other than show up at your house in the morning and wake you up and stand there while you read it, um, just to get you in the practice of daily scripture reading. So we're, we're really looking forward, we're looking forward to that. It was dark, the sun was not yet up, and Dad was standing at the kitchen window. The house was quiet, his youngest boys were still sleeping, and the dad stood there waiting. He was waiting for news. Behind him, he hears his youngest son kind of stir and get up and start to make some coffee. And the son, David, knows not to disturb his dad when he's looking out the window. He knows how anxious he is. And his dad isn't the only one that's anxious. The whole village is anxious. When the women go out in the mornings to get their water from the day at the well, it's all they talk about. And when they tuck their kids in at the end of the night, It's all the kids ask about. When is daddy coming home? Because 40 days ago, the young men went out to battle. They went out to battle the neighboring army, and there has been no news about how anything is going. Normally, these kind of battles, they go quickly. The army goes off, and in a few days, it's over. And the survivors come back, or a messenger comes back partway through the battle to give some updates. But there has been no news for 40 days. Something is going on. Something must be going wrong. And the dad, Jesse, stands in front of the kitchen window, hoping and praying, because his three oldest boys are in that battle. And he stands there like he has over the last 40 mornings. Finally, Jesse speaks, not taking his eyes off the window, and he says to his youngest son, David, David, I want you to take some cheese to your brothers today. Now David knows better than to question his dad, but in his mind he's thinking, cheese? 
But dutifully, he goes and gets dressed, comes back into the kitchen, wraps some cheese and some cloth, enough for all three boys, gets some supplies for a journey, and he starts heading out. The journey from his home in Bethlehem to the Valley of Allah, where the battle is taking place, is about 15 miles. So not really long in terms of ancient world walking times, but a couple of hours. And as he makes his journey, cheese in hand, dutifully doing what his dad has asked him to do, David starts to realize that for the last 40 days, he has had no idea what's going on, and today he's going to find out what's taking place. He's going to see it with his own eyes. You see, his brothers and the Israelite army, which they were a part of, had gone to defend their land against the Philistines. And there had been a number of rumors circulating that the Philistines had this secret weapon, this nine-foot oaf named Goliath. And he had no idea what he was going to find when he got there. So the closer that David gets to the Valley of Allah, he starts to running scenarios through in his mind. Maybe the Israelites lost and everybody was killed. Maybe when I get there, I'm going to look down into the valley and I'm just going to see the whole army has been defeated. And I'm going to have to walk home and take that news to my father. Or maybe the battle's still going on. Maybe it's been raging for 40 days. Or maybe it's left between Goliath from the Philistine side and Saul, the king of the Israelites. Now, we know that Goliath was a giant, but you'll remember also that Saul also was a giant in his own right. The scriptures tell us that he was one head taller than everybody else. But when David broaches the top of the hill and looks down into the valley of Allah, neither of these scenarios are true. It's kind of like day one. Nothing is happening. He sees the Philistines on one side of the river, relaxed and casual, kind of heckling the Israelites. And he sees the Israelites on the other side of the river there doing nothing, but looking anxious and a little bit confused. And suddenly David, cheese in hand, becomes aware that he is being drawn into something much greater than he ever imagined. I don't know about you, but I love this story. I've loved it since I was a little boy, and I still love it now. Malcolm Gladwell wrote a whole book on David and Goliath as a kind of a metaphor for life. We know the story probably, even if you didn't grow up in church, you're probably kind of roughly familiar with the story. There was a giant named Goliath. There was a little boy named David. He had a slingshot. He went down to the river. He got three small stones. He swung the first one around his head. He fired it. It hit the giant in the head and killed him first shot. You remember the song from Sunday school? Only a boy named David. Only a little sling, only a boy and David, but he could pray and sing. Now, of course, we've sanitized that kid's song because there is no mention of after David kills Goliath that he goes over, <clears throat> picks up his sword, and chops his head off. That somehow didn't make it into the kid's song, or maybe it got edited out. Maybe the thought of him swinging around the David's, the Goliath's head around and around didn't work so well as a final verse. But we love these stories. The little guy becomes the hero. The shepherd boy becomes the king. The single mom over in the UK writes some kids' stories and becomes world famous for the Harry Potter series. An Olympic athlete from a little tiny town in rural Canada becomes a gold medal winner in the Olympics. We love these kind of stories. And when we think of David, we're quick to think about Goliath 
and we forget about the cheese. And think about it, seriously, cheese. Dad's standing at the window and he says to David, go take the boys some cheese. And David probably in his mind is thinking, Dad, if our brothers, if my brothers are in there in the heat of battle, probably the last thing on their mind is Gouda, okay? And as strange as the request might be, the fact is David took the cheese and he did what his father asked of him, which is always a good lesson with boys and girls. And as I was reading this story and thinking about it again, it reminds me of an important fact, and I think we overlook it so often, that David was willing to do the little things. David was faithful in the little things. We tend to focus on the high points of David's life. He killed Goliath. He became king. He brought the Ark of the Covenant away from the, the Philistines' towns and he brought it back and he put it in Jerusalem where it should have been all along. He established nationhood for Israel. We tend to focus on all of that and all of that is important, those big success stories. But so often we forget what got David there and it was the lessons that he learned tending those sheep and it was his willingness to do the things that his dad asked him to do like deliver cheese. One of the great lessons of David's life, and it applies to our lives as well, is that he was faithful in the little things. I think we forget how important this is in our own lives sometimes, being faithful in the little things. There's a saying when it comes to your money, watch your pennies and the dollars will take care of themselves. Or, which we're going to have to modify that a little bit because we don't have pennies anymore. So, watch your nickels and the loonies will take care of themselves. There's some truth to that spiritually as well. Be faithful in the little things. If you want to do something great for God, be faithful in the little things. And God will lead you into greater things. Be faithful with your pennies and the dollars will look after themselves. I saw an advertisement the other day in, in the drugstore and it was, about an, it was about a retired couple. They were in their 60s or 70s. And it was hinting that the best years in married life are the last 10 years. They're the last years. Your best married years are the last years. And it showed this couple just filled with love and devotion to each other. And I thought to myself, the path to a thriving marriage of 50 years started 50 years ago. And if you ask that couple on this billboard, what's the secret to their 50 years, they would probably tell you some version of being faithful in the little things. Doing the things you really don't want to do but you know your spouse appreciates. <laughs> Keeping short accounts, not going to bed angry, spending time with them watching TLC even when you really want to watch the Jays. That it's the little things that make the biggest difference. It's true in marriage. It's true in finances. I remember speaking with a young guy who wanted to be a philanthropist. And he said to me, Rob, someday I'm going to make a million dollars. And when I do... I am going to build an, a well in an orphanage in an underdeveloped country and I'm going to start this program for these people and I'm going to do this for that now. I remember saying to him, start now. Start now. Take somebody out for lunch now. While you don't yet have your million dollars, do something now. Because if you can't do it now, you will never do it then. If you're not willing to carry the cheese now, you will not slay giants later on. It's true in all areas of our life. 
I think about how important this is in matters of character. Becoming a woman and a man after God's own heart who live faithfully, it's the little things that count. Making sure that anger and envy and addictions and greed never get a long-term foothold in our life. Killing the little habits that undermine our spiritual maturity. And if you read biographies on great women of faith and great men of faith, you'll realize that their greatness was the culmination of being faithful in the little things. That it started by being faithful in the little things. And in the culmination of that over time, God used their life for greatness. And I think about how this might apply to us in a couple of different ways. And I'll just mention three here this morning. First is, being faithful in the little things is an act of great trust. It's essentially saying, Lord, I'm putting my life in your hands. I'm putting my PR in your hands. I'm putting whether I become great or not in your hands. I'm just simply living my life in devotion to you. I'm going to be faithful to the things you've called me about now, and I will not worry necessarily about where that goes in the future. It's a great act of faith. And it can be frustrating when no one notices you being faithful in the little things. But it reminds us again who we are ultimately living for and whose approval we are ultimately seeking. And when we are living faithfully in the little things, hoping that only the Lord would notice and that it would be the Lord that comforts and reminds us and maybe even rewards us, then we are on the path to spiritual maturity. One of the things we forget about the David story is David was called to be king, he was anointed at king, and then there was a significant delay between that moment and when he actually became king. Do you remember what he did in between? He tended sheep in the field for his dad. David was anointed king like on Sunday at church in this great big thing, and then on Monday he got up and did not become king. He did not go to the royal palace. The stretch limo did not pull up in front of his house and pick him up and take him to work. He got on his rubber boots And he went back out to the field and he continued taking care of sheep and being faithful at it until the Lord's time was right in his life. David was essentially putting his life in the Lord's hand and says, look, when the time is right, you will make these things happen. In the meantime, I am going to trust you with the entirety of my life. A great lesson, a challenging lesson. The second lesson I think about being faithful in the little things, is sometimes it's great advice when you're feeling stuck in life. When maybe your career isn't what you want it to be or the season of life isn't where you want it to be or circumstances kind of aren't what you want them to be and you don't know what you should do. Is this time now I can abandon my faith and if it's not really paying off, I can just say, God, forget it. I've tried to follow you, but it's not working, so I'm going to go do my own thing now. And the call to you would be the same again. Be faithful in the little things. Be faithful where you are right now. There's a great parable in Matthew chapter 25, and it's the story of the steward of the talents. And it tells a story about a manager who's going to go off for a little while, and he wants to entrust his investments to different people that they would look after him while he's gone. And so he gives a significant portion of his money to one person and asks him to look after it. He gives a smaller portion to another person and asks him to look after it. And he gives a small portion to one guy and asks him to look after it. And he comes back. And I'll read, I'll read you from Matthew 25 about his response when he gets home and what happens. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest? 
and I earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver, and I earned you two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plan and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. And the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least it would have gotten some interest. And then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver, to those who use well what they were given. Even more will be given, and they will have an abundance from those who do nothing. Even what little they have will be taken from them. This is a tough teaching. But the call is the same to all of us, regardless of how much bag of silver or responsibility or influence or life or whatever we have, is that God is calling us to be faithful with what he's given us. Be faithful in the little things. The third thing that kind of strikes me as I think about this, this, this story is that when you choose to be faithful in the little things, it will mature a servant's heart in us. It will mature a servant's heart. It will keep us from getting proud. It will keep us from getting arrogant. I remember hearing the story of a CEO or an owner of a company who was trying to hire a brand new CEO. This was his family's company. This was not just his job. This was his life. It was his legacy. It was his dad's legacy, and it was his grandfather's legacy. So picking this CEO was very, very, very important to him. So he decided he had about four or five people in mind, and he had them come one night after another to his house for supper. And he made supper, and they sat at the dining room table, talked about business. He interviewed them, asked them some questions at the end of the night, dismissed them home. At the end of all, after at the end of the fifth night, he ends up picking the CEO. When the CEO came to him and to the owner and said, "Why did you hire me over all those other people?" The owner said, "This, you were the only one that offered to help me do the dishes." He said, "Every night I made supper, and the other people sat at the table and waited for me to serve them. When supper was over, I'd go and take the dishes into the kitchen, and everybody else sat at the table and did not move. And you were the only one that got up from the table." came into the kitchen, rolled up their sleeves, and dried the dishes while I washed them. You were not afraid to do the little things. I love how Galatians says it. If you think you're too important to help someone in need, you're fooling yourself. And then how's this for a punchline? You are really a nobody. And of course, when we think of this, we think of Jesus himself. Meeting with the disciples around a table, getting down on his hands and knees, and washing their feet. A task that you might argue was maybe a bit below him, but he was willing to be faithful in even the little things. And to think that you and I serve a Savior who's willing to do the little things for us is a powerful reminder. 
that no matter what might be on your plate today, that no matter might, what might be the challenges, as you look through the week and you look at your appointments and what you've got coming up and maybe you kind of get filled with dread, to remember that Jesus is faithful to us, even in the little things. And as a church, we are called to be faithful to each other in the little things. It might be helping someone out with a, a little task or a little responsibility or helping them through in a little time in a pinch or a difficult season. You and I have been called by Christ to be faithful to each other in that same manner. And it's a great privilege. It's a great responsibility. And so may God find us faithful with the things that he's given us today. Let us pray. Father, today we are just so mindful of the things that you have given to us. And when we compare maybe our lot in life to other people, when we think about maybe where we are in comparison to where other people are, it may feel like we have a little. And yet your call to us is the same. Be faithful with what we have. And God, today I pray that you would speak to us for those who are maybe feeling stuck and are feeling like they're at a crossroads or in a difficult season and can't seem to find their way forward and who maybe even are tempted to abandon faithfulness and obedience to you. I pray they would hear your invitation to be faithful in the little things. Lord, today I pray for those who are struggling to trust you who feel as though you've called them down a path, you've called them to something and they're in the midst of it, but it's tough. And it's not making sense and it maybe isn't quite working out like they wanted to, but they know you've called them to it. Lord, I pray today that you would renew their commitment to be faithful to you in their season. Lord, and for all of us, keep us humble. Keep us willing to put a towel over our arm and bend our knees and serve the people that you have put in our life that they might know your gracious and loving and compassionate heart above all else and be reminded through our acts of service and humility that you love them. You love them greatly. We pray this in your name. Amen.